You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Never Graduate, the podcast where we don't just talk college sports, we live college sports. I am your host, Tyler Graves. I don't know if it's coming through on the mic or not. I'm a little bit under the weather. My voice isn't quite what it normally is. But when you've got a show to do, you've got a show to do and you make it happen. So here I am. But I do apologize for the voice. I'm gonna give it my best shot. But just bear with me today, guys. Got a lot of great content for you. And I very much appreciate you guys being here with me today. If you aren't already, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter. And that is at NoGradPod on Twitter. You can find us at NeverGraduatePodcast on Instagram. Also, make sure to click that subscribe button right now if you have not already. It's an easy, easy thing to do. And that will make sure that you get all of the latest content coming from this podcast. And of course, if you like what you hear, if you have not already, I would greatly appreciate it. It would be incredibly helpful if you would go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you get the podcast and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. That's a huge, huge, huge way to help out a young podcast grow and get on its feet. And I would be eternally grateful if you guys would help me out there. As for today's show, I'm calling a little bit of an audible here today. I had an entirely different episode planned out for you guys, but I was laying in bed last night reading through various college football-related articles, as is my nightly ritual as I drift off to sleep, and I came across one article that really caught my attention. And usually at this time, I'm just drifting in and out of consciousness, and I'm vaguely paying attention to what I'm reading, but I came across an article that made me wake up and pay attention, because I simply could not have disagreed with it anymore. I got a little fired up about it, and so I decided this is what I want to talk about on today's show. So I will do that, and then I have another guest for you guys later on the second half of the show. This time I've got the mind behind College Football Talk Daily on Twitter, which is a big and growing college football account on Twitter, and he's going to join me to talk some college football, just some big picture general college football stuff. We had a really good conversation last week. I'm going to bring that to you guys this week, so I'm really looking forward to you guys hearing that. But first, I've got to get some things off my chest. So the article in question was an article written by Heather Dinich of ESPN, and she generally does a very good job. I do not intend this as a personal shot at Heather or her just general credibility. That's not what this is. I'm not going for the throat or anything like that. I just happen to strongly disagree with this particular take of hers. 
And earlier in the week, she published an article titled Ranking the Potential First-Time College Football Playoff Teams. All right, you got me. Interesting topic. In fact, I've actually thought a good bit about this myself. was even considering doing an episode on this a few weeks ago, but kind of backed off that in favor of a different idea that kind of won out. So, cool. Let's see what she thinks here. And then I scroll down, and what do I see? But Texas A&M sitting at number one on her list of potential first-time college football playoff teams. Huh. Texas A&M, among teams that have yet to make the college football playoff, is the most likely to do it this year, to make their debut. Huh. I don't know about that one, man. And maybe a lot of you out there listening to this podcast agree with Heather. And you're like, yeah, Tyler, like, what's wrong with that? Like, why, why did that get you all fired up? I know there are others out there that believe that. And I guess that's part of what got me fired up because I'm sitting here, I'm like, how? How is that a thing that a person can believe right now? That A&M is the team most likely to make their initial college football playoff appearance this season. I'm not talking about two, three years down the road. I'm talking about this season, 2022. Now, in fairness, the list of teams that I think actually fit this criteria is extremely small. And I do think Texas A&M is on the list. I just don't think they're at the top. In fact, there are two or three teams at least that I would have ahead of A&M right now. And maybe just two or three teams, but they certainly would not be at the top of my list. And yeah, guys, I I follow college football very, very closely. I am fully aware of all the hype surrounding this Texas A&M program. I'm fully aware of the recruiting class they just signed on paper, the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes. I'm fully aware of that. And again, I do think they will be in the college football playoff within the next three to four years. I feel pretty confident saying that with the amount of talent they have amassed over the past couple years, because it's not just this one 2022 recruiting class. They've been recruiting at a top five level for two, three years now. And when you start to stack classes upon classes, top three, top five classes on top of each other, that's when you start to get in the college playoff conversation because it's not just one class. You have an entire roster full of top three, top five caliber players. And that's when you start to plug those holes and you start to reach that talent threshold that I believe it takes to ultimately not just make the college playoff, but truly win a national title as well, which we saw with Georgia this past season. You know, the, the first number one recruiting class that Georgia signed under Kirby Smart was back in 2018. That did not result in an immediate national title, an immediate college football playoff bid the next season. But when Georgia was able to follow up that 2018 class with another top three class and then, and then another number one class and another top three class, and you stack class upon class upon class like that, then you have an entire roster of dudes. And that's how you get five guys drafting the first round off of defense and break the NFL record for total number of draft picks. A&M is on their way there. They're not there yet but they're certainly on their way. I just don't think it's this year. And I know that some of you do. Some of you do think this is the year for AM to jump into the college football playoff for the first time in their program's history. And I'm not going to sit here and say that's absolutely insane because I do think they are on that short list of teams that could do it. I just happen to entirely disagree with you that they are the team that is most likely to make their first college football playoff appearance this season. 
And I'm sure some of you are just dismissing me as a hater, especially Texas A&M fans that might have found their way to this podcast. I know what you're saying right now. I'm just a hater because that's what fans do when someone gives an opinion that runs counter to what you believe about your team and you think it's disrespecting your team. They're just a hater, right? They don't know what they're talking about. And you can think all those things if you want. That's fine. But it, in reality, it could not be further from the truth. I am a Georgia guy. I've told you guys that from episode one. I am a Georgia guy. I have no special disdain for Texas A&M. A&M has never really been a part of my college football world. I know they joined the league in 2012, but Georgia's played them one time. We never actually made that trip to College Station, which I am waiting for that to finally happen. Eventually it will, unless the whole world blows up and we have more realignment and they change things again, and we'll see when Georgia ever plays a and I'll believe it when I see it, actually, when I'm actually there in College Station. But I don't have like any special hatred for A&M. Like, they don't, I'm not saying they don't matter to me, but they don't really, I don't have any special feeling for them whatsoever. I am truly an an objective observer when it comes to Texas A&M. I live and breathe this stuff, guys. That's what I'm about. I'm a college football, college sports junkie. And I, you know, you don't have to agree with me, but I would say at the very least, I have an educated opinion on the matter. It doesn't mean I'm always right, but my opinion isn't completely out of left field here. I'm not one of those guys that perks his ears up and starts paying attention to college football in mid-August. I'm a guy who pays attention to college football 12 months a year, all year long. And as such, I have opinions on things, and this just happens to be one of those opinions. I will throw you guys a bone, though. Some of you A&M fans out there, and Heather Dinich as well, I'll give you this. I do think that A&M has the most talented roster among that group of teams that I think is in contention to potentially make their first college football playoff appearance this season. I think, honestly, pretty clearly, they're the most talented roster. And that is a big part of making the college football playoff, as I laid out with Georgia. It's certainly a big part, and maybe the biggest part. But it's not the only factor in determining whether a team is going to make the college football playoff. Your path also matters a lot, which I'll get into here in just a second. I'm going to go back to 2018 and 2019, guys. Georgia, in both those seasons, was more talented. They, they had clearly the more talented roster when you compare the Georgia roster to the Oklahoma roster. Well, what team made the college football playoff in both those seasons? It wasn't Georgia. It was Oklahoma. Why? Because Oklahoma had an easier path. It's as simple as that. They didn't have to play Alabama or LSU in the, in the Big 12 championship game. Georgia did. In a way, Georgia kind of got punished for playing in a better conference. That's really what happened. And that's the breaks. I'm not complaining. It is what it is. That's what happened. But that's a big part of why I would not go with A&M as my number one team on this list. Let me further explain this. So again, the path is a big part of this. And when you are a team that has the preseason number one team, not only in your conference, but in your very own division within that conference. That right there makes you extremely unlikely to play in your conference title game. If you do not play in your conference title game, it is extraordinarily unlikely that you will find your way in to the Coswell playoff, especially if, it's that, if that conference is the SEC. And let's say you have two teams, Georgia and Alabama, both preseason top three teams. We'll see how it all shakes out, but... 
if two teams from the SEC were again to make the college football playoff like they did last year, it would be far more likely that the two teams that would make it from the SEC would be the two teams that played each other in the conference title game and not one that was on the outside looking in. Now, I know there could be situations, maybe Georgia has a loss going to the SEC title game and A&M only has one loss that loses to Bama. If Georgia loses to Bama, that's two losses of them. Maybe A&M finds a way to sneak in. I guess that's possible, but I don't know if that's 100% true. We would have to see what the committee would do. That's kind of an unprecedented situation there for the committee. But the simple reality is when Alabama, the preseason number one team, is sitting there in your own division and you have to get past them in order to get to the conference title game, that is an extraordinarily difficult obstacle to overcome within your own division, let alone your own conference. And oh yeah, you have to play that team on the road this season after you upset them at home last year in a revenge game for Nick Saban, who is known to be incredibly difficult to beat in those situations. And I know there are some AM fans out there that go back to the scenario that I just laid out a minute ago. Well, yeah, so what if we lose to Alabama? Like, a lot of teams lose to Alabama on the road in Tuscaloosa. Well, we can still run the table the rest of the way and find ourselves in the college playoff. Maybe, maybe. It's not impossible. I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible. It's somewhere in the realm of possibility, somewhere out there in the ether. It's in the realm of possibility. But when you look at the SEC West, not only is Alabama sitting there as a preseason number one team, the favorite to win the national title this season, the SEC West at large is the toughest division in all of college football, with all due respect to the Big Ten East. AM guys, they lost, let's not forget, they lost to Arkansas. They lost to Mississippi State at home last year. They lost to Ole Miss. And they lost to LSU, a team with a lame duck Coach O at the end of the season. What has changed within the past year from that roster to this roster, that team to this team, to make anyone think that A&M is just going to roll through all those other teams in the SEC West this year? Yeah, I know. They signed the number one recruiting class, but those guys are true freshmen. How many of them are you going to be able to count on to be impact players right away in year one? Some of them, sure. Maybe Evan Stewart at receiver. Maybe Walter Nolan at, at defensive tackle. Maybe. Possibly. But you can't count on all those guys to come in and be ready to be impact players right away. And, you know, based off the recruiting rankings, those are the most talented guys on your roster. And they also lost a ton of guys as well. You lose guys like Jalen Weidermeyer at tight end. You lose Isaiah Spiller running back, the entire starting defensive line. And yes, I know you signed the greatest defensive line recruiting class in the history of defensive line recruiting classes, but they're all freshmen playing in the SEC. That's big boy football. And to be fair, they do return. AM does return some really good players. Devon A. Chain at running back. I thought at times he was better than Isaiah Spiller was at running back last year. I think he was more explosive. Ruben Fothery at, at tackle should be a year older. He's obviously a year older, but should be better this year. And he really improved as the season went on last year. Ania Smith, you know, he's got the DUI issue. He'll be he'll miss maybe a game or two. We'll see. But he's still a, he's still back and he's still a really good player. Antonio Johnson at safety is a really fantastic player in the back end. So yeah, they lose some guys, they return some guys. Maybe it all cancels each other out, but is this team really, on the whole, going to be that much better than they were last year? Are they really? Really? Are they going to be so much better that there's just no way they're going to lose to one of those other good to very good teams in the SEC West? Because I don't think so. I think they could very easily lose to Arkansas again 
in Dallas at a neutral site. I think they can very easily lose on the road at Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a sleeper team this year, in my opinion. Ole Miss, there's a lot of changeover in the Ole Miss football team, but they've got a lot of talented guys they brought in, especially offensively. LSU, I think, will be significantly better this year, especially by the time that Aiden plays them late in the season. And let's also not just gloss over this non-conference game against Miami. I know that's in College Station. That certainly gives A&M a leg up. And it's going to be a night game. It's going to be a great environment. It'll be a fantastic game. I'm really excited to watch that game. I am really high on Miami this year. I think Miami can be really, really good. Now, they still have some holes in their roster. A&M has been recruiting at a higher level more consistently than Miami. They have more overall talent. But here's the thing Miami's got. They have a dude at quarterback. They have a proven game-changing type talent with Tyler Van Dyke at quarterback. They have the type of quarterback that gives you a chance to go into a hostile environment and win a game against a team that has more overall talent. And and Anum does have more overall talent. I don't think it's a significant margin, but they do have more overall talent. But I think that Tyler Van Dyke kind of levels that playing field. So I'm not even ready to say that that's a a sure win for AM. That's going to be a difficult spot for them as well. When you have Miami coming in, a potential ACC title contender, in a non-conference matchup. And I know a and fans don't agree with me. I'm already calling the Alabama game a surefire loss for a and I do not see a and going into Tuscaloosa and winning that football game. I just don't. I don't think they have the quarterback that they need to go in there and win that football game. Because to beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, you can be great everywhere on the field, but you've got to be elite at quarterback. You have to have like a Johnny Menzel type guy at quarterback. And I just don't think a and has that right now, which brings me to my final reason why I am not buying a and as the team most likely to make their first college football playoff appearance this year. I just have major questions about the quarterback position. I'll give them this. I I think they have a high floor at quarterback. I have questions about the ceiling right now with the options they have at quarterback. And my question is very simple. Who is the difference maker for A&M at quarterback? Who is the guy on their roster at the quarterback position that has shown us any bit of evidence to suggest that he is an elite difference-making type player at that position. Who is that guy? Because I haven't seen him yet. Max Johnson, I know he's experienced. He's got some playing time at LSU. Had that really nice win in 2020, the COVID year, at Florida in Gainesville when, you know, Marco Wilson threw that shoe in the unbelievable, just the unbelievable moment in college football history. I was sitting there watching that game live and I, I still can't believe that that actually happened. That's one of those moments, rare moments in your life where you feel like your eyes are lying to you, but they were. They won that game and Max Johnson played well in that game. But Max Johnson throughout his time at LSU was nothing more than pretty good. And sure, that was a dysfunctional situation. I think that's fair to say, but the production wasn't there and the eye test did not tell me that that guy has elite physical tools. In fact, I'm just going to tell you guys, I mean, some of you that listen to my other podcast for a while, you know this. I live in Athens, Georgia. Max Johnson went to Oconee County High School, which is about 10 minutes from Athens. I have seen this guy play a lot. I saw him play a lot in high school. And even when he was in high school, I would sit there and watch it. And I say, I'm like, okay, yeah, big, tall, physical guy, can move, he's mobile, athletic. Got the pedigree with his dad being a former Super Bowl champion. I guess I get it to a degree, but I never saw like this elite quarterback prospect. I never saw it. And maybe he will prove me wrong this year. But if he ends up being the guy, I don't know if that's good news for AM because I think he's a guy that's going to help you win eight to nine games. Maybe you can look up and win 10 games with Max Johnson because they have so much talent around him. He's not going to kill you or anything like that. He's a really good player. He's just not 
elite. He's not dynamic at that position. He's not the kind of guy that you need to go into Tuscaloosa and win that football game. So if I was an AM fan, I would be hoping with somebody other than Max Johnson because that at least gives me the hope that maybe there's a higher ceiling there. And with Haynes King, we don't really know. I just don't have evidence. I I, I don't know one way or the other. I just don't I don't have the evidence to sit here and say, yeah, he's a game changer. He played, a, what, a game and a half last year before getting injured and never coming back the rest of the season. I know the coaching staff's high on him, but I don't know that right now. And Heather Dinich does not know that right now. AM fans don't know that right now. I'm sure you hope that that's the case, but you don't know that. And then you got five-star true freshman, Connor Wegman, who's probably going to be really, really good. But if he has to be the guy in year one as a true freshman in the SEC, is he ready to lead you to a college football playoff? That would essentially be unprecedented. And unprecedented things are impossible, but they're also not likely. Wouldn't count on it. So when you consider the path that AM has to go through, has to traverse in order to get to the college football playoff, and the fact that I think they lack an elite proven playmaker at the quarterback position, a dynamic guy that can help you go in and win at Tuscaloosa, because let's be real, for AM to make the college football playoff, they need to be Alabama. That, that's, that's the bottom line. They need to be Alabama. And if they don't, I don't see it happening. And I just don't see that quarterback on the roster that's going to go in there and win that football game in Tuscaloosa. So no, A&M would emphatically not be at the top of my list of teams to make their debut in the Coswell playoff this year. They'd be on the list. They'd certainly be on the list. It's a short list. They'd be on that list, but not at the top. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So if I don't have AM at the top of my list, well, who would be? And again, as I said earlier, the fact is there's just not really a lot of teams that fit this description. I don't think there's a ton of teams that are in a position to make their first college football playoff appearance this season, but there are a few, and I would have quite a few of them ahead of Florida. And I'm going to start with the Utah Utes. Now, I know a fans are screaming at the top of their lungs right now, oh my God, Utah, how are they better than us? I'm not saying that Utah is better than a That's not what I'm saying. That's not how this works, guys. You don't match up team A versus team B and say, who's got the more talented roster? Who's got more five-star prospects? That's not how it works. Again, if it's, if that's how it worked in 2018, 2019, Georgia would have been the college playoff and not Oklahoma. It's not how it works. You also have to factor in their path and their schedule. And Utah, quite simply, has a much easier path 
to get to the college football playoff. Now, standing in their way along that path is a week one trip to Gainesville, Florida to take on the Florida Gators. And that is certainly a tricky spot for Utah. I understand that. That's going to be a big time matchup for them. That's a game they have to win. If Utah does not win that game, they, in my opinion, are not going to find their way in the college football playoff. Like that's a must win game for Utah. But saying that, I feel very good about Utah in that game. I feel like Utah has a much more established culture at this point than Florida does in year one of Billy Napier. They have a an identity that's already established. We don't know what Florida's identity is going to be. I know what Billy Napier probably wants it to be, but Florida doesn't know what that's going to look like this year. Utah's far more experienced. They have more proven players at key positions. Quarterback, obviously, with Cam Rice. I know Anthony Richardson's a really talented player, and he could be really good, but it's a wild card. You don't know. You know what you have in Cam Rice. And Tavion Thomas at running back is an absolute stud. You get Dalton Kincaid and Brent Keithy back at, at tight end. I know it's a tough environment. I know it's a Pac-12 team going on the road to play an SEC team, and Pac-12 teams normally don't fare very well in those situations. But I'm looking at this game as an independent entity. And I just think Utah is a better football team, a more experienced football team. And right now, I would say a better coach football team with the fact that they've been able to establish their culture, establish their identity, establish their systems offensively and defensively. They have cohesiveness there that Florida does not have. So I feel really confident that Utah is going to win that football game. I already have money on that. In fact, I would be surprised, very surprised if Florida finds a way to win that game. So if Utah does what I expect them to do and they beat Florida week one in Gainesville, I think they have a pretty, it's not a wide open path the rest of the way. There's still a few, a few potential landmines. USC, and we know there's a lot of hype around USC, just like there is Texas A&M, but USC has to come to Salt Lake City, and I just don't think USC is ready in the trenches right now. I would give Utah the edge in that game right now. We'll see how the season plays out. Right now, I like Utah in that matchup. So if they win both of those games, if they win at Florida and they beat USC at home, I think they go to Oregon later in the season on the road. I think they're playing with house money. I think they could potentially lose that game to Oregon, have one loss in the regular season, and then make it to the Pac-12 championship game. And if they win that game, I think they're in the college football playoff with that win on the road against Florida in week one. Who Florida might be a 7-5 and five team, but that's still a, a win that's going to cause the committee to, to take notice of Utah going on the road, a true road game across the country in a hostile environment. And you beat USC, who I think will be really good this year as well. And if they can win, if they can beat USC again or or get revenge against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, I think Utah has a much better path to the college football playoff than A&M does. Doesn't mean I think Utah's better. If Utah played A&M, I would probably pick A&M to win that football game. But that's not how this works. I would give Utah the better chance over A&M right now to get in the college football playoff in 2022. Another team I would give a better chance to get in the college football playoff for the first time in their program's history is NC State. And yes, I, I do understand there's some similarities here with NC State and Texas A&M. You're like, Tyler, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. How can you say A&M's path is really hard because they got to get past Alabama within their own division and NC State faces the same thing with Clemson inside their own division. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that. And yes, Clemson is a top five team in the preseason. I understand that. But I I don't believe they are nearly as good as Alabama is going to be this year. I just, and that's a me thing. That's how I'm viewing Clemson. I just don't project Clemson to be nearly as good as Alabama. I think Clemson will be better than they were last year. They're going to be a really good team, a top five, 10 team in the country. 
but not at Bama's level this year. I think there's way too many questions on that Clemson roster, especially offensively. I know there were some mitigating factors last year that accounted for their offensive drop-off, but man, like it was such a bad look. I cannot unsee that, and I just have to see DJ Uyungle perform at a high level again before I can sit here and say, oh yeah, Clemson's back, and they're like a legitimate cultural playoff national title contender game, because he was so bad last year, guys. I just don't know if he's going to be able to come back from that. I think he'll be probably better, but we'll see. I don't know. So I just don't think it's the exact same situation for NC State as it is for a because I just don't think Clemson is at Alabama's level this season. And I also don't think the ACC Atlantic is the SEC West. There are clearly not as many potential landmines for NC State to navigate through in their division as there are for a team like AM having to play Arkansas and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and LSU and even Auburn. There's just not as many potential landmines for them to get by. And if they can beat Clemson, which I don't think is necessarily likely, I, I've gone back and forth on that all offseason. But if they can beat Clemson, which I do think I would get, I would certainly give NC State a better chance to go on the road and beat Clemson than I would AM going on the road to beat Alabama. And I know Clemson has only lost one home game since I think what 2014. I understand that. But NC State, this is the best NC State team that they've had since Clemson has been on this run. So it's a different story. We'll see. I just don't think Clemson's as good as Alabama. So if NC State can beat Clemson, they could easily, easily within the ACC Atlantic run the table the rest of the way. Or even if they slip up once, if they beat Clemson, if they slip up once somewhere the rest of the season, I think they still find a way in as long as they win the ACC championship. And that is a tall task. I understand beating Clemson on the road is a very tall task. One team since 2014 has done that. It was Pitt. They're probably not going to do it. But I still think NC State has a better chance of doing that than this A&M team has of going into Bama and winning on prime time in Tuscaloosa. That's just how I see the situation. So those are two teams I would definitely put ahead of AM in terms of teams that are more likely to make their first Cottrell playoff appearance this season. And here's a third team that honestly, I think, I don't feel as strongly about this one, but I think I can make a really strong argument that Texas has a better chance to make their first Cottrell playoff appearance this season than AM does. And I know AM fans do not want to hear that. They probably, they probably shut it off by now. So it's probably just us guys. We don't have to worry about them anymore. But Texas, just hear me out on this. Hear me out. Texas has not recruited as well as AM has over the past three, four, five years. They have not. That's fair. But it's also not that far off. Texas, relative to the rest of the country, has still recruited at a very high level. And I think Texas potentially could have a better answer at quarterback in Quinn Ewers. Now, that's the ultimate wild card. We do not know. And I have a tough, this is why I don't feel really confident about Texas. Quinn Ewers is just right now, it's based off reputation. We have not seen this guy at the college level. But if, if he is that guy, and I have my doubts he's ready to be that guy this season, but if he is, Texas is better at wide receiver than AM is. When you, when you, factor in you've got Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayers coming in from Wyoming, you still got Jordan Whittington on the roster. Texas has better wide receivers right now. Texas is probably better at running back. I think Devon A. Chain is really good for AM, but I would give the edge to B. John Robinson right now. Now I would give AM the edge offensive line. Texas has some issues on the offensive line and that is a problem for them. And so is the defense. AM is clearly better on defense right now. I don't know if Texas has those answers. So I again I'm not really confident in this one but the biggest factor for me with Texas 
is the Big 12. Again, it's, it's all about the path. The Big 12 is as wide open as it has been in a long time, in the in the modern cultural playoff era. It's as wide open as it has been. Oklahoma will probably be really good, or good-ish, good to really good. We'll see. But there's a lot of transition there. We don't really know. Oklahoma State lost a lot off that Fiesta Bowl team from last year. I know Spencer Sanders is coming back, but that's the guy that you want to rely on? I don't know, man. I don't know if that guy is going to be the one that's going to be the feature part of your team to lead you to the promised land. I don't know about that. Iowa State lost a ton, and that's not a team that just reloads year after year. Baylor's still right there, but they also lose a lot. They lose top two running backs. lose Tyquan Thornton at wide receiver. lose Petrie in the back end of that defense. lose a lot of players. So I think there's... There's a pathway for Texas to potentially win the Big 12 if they get that that shot in the arm at the quarterback position, which is really what held them back last year. I mean, defensively, obviously, too, but they just didn't have that game changer at quarterback going back and forth between Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. And again, this is a team I think A&M is the more talented team. They would probably beat Texas head-to-head this year, but that's just not how it works. And while we're talking about paths, here's one more team I'll throw this at you guys right here real quick before we move on. I put Utah at the top of my list. Doesn't USC need to be on that list somewhere? I, I don't think USC is a like national title contender this year because I still think there's too many holes defensively for them. And there's just so much turnover. And it's hard to parlay that much turnover in one season into a national championship caliber team. But when you're talking about the Pac-12 and you look at USC's non-conference schedule, it's not crazy to think they could go like 11-1 and win the Pac-12 and find themselves in position to make a college football playoff, depending on what happens around the rest of the country, obviously that'd be a big part of it. The Pac-12 does not have the strength that these other conferences have. And and in that scenario, USC would absolutely have to beat Notre Dame at the end of the season, but they get Notre Dame at home. By that time, will USC have figured some things out and kind of be hitting their stride? If they can get past the first couple weeks, I mean, they're going to beat Rice. They should beat Stanford on the road. Fresno State could be a tricky game with Jake Hayner coming back, but I would still give USC the edge there at home. At Oregon State's a tricky spot in week four. It could be an upset trap game spot, but I still think USC should win that game when you factor in the high-level talent they brought in, especially at the skill positions with Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, Marvin Williams, Travis Dye, all those guys they brought in. They should win that game. You have Arizona State, Washington State at home. They should win both those games. At Utah, tough game. I think they're going to lose that game right now if I had to predict it. But let's say they lose that game. They bounce back. They beat Arizona. They beat Cal, Colorado at home. They went on the road at UCLA. And if they beat Notre Dame and they make it to the Pac-12 championship game, and let's say they get a rematch against Utah, if they happen to beat Utah in a neutral site in a rematch game and they finish the season 12-1 and with a win against Notre Dame and a win against a good Utah football team, USC would have a strong case. And I'm not saying I, I'm predicting that's how it's going to go down. I don't think that's how it's going to go down. I think they have too many holes on defense right now. They probably slip up somewhere along the way they shouldn't lose. But with that potential path, I think I would give them a better chance to make their first college football playoff appearance than I would A&M. And once again, I'm not saying that USC is better than A&M. I think A&M would probably beat USC if they face up head-to-head. But that's not how this works. The path, the schedule, it matters. And I think that USC has an easier path to college football playoff than A&M does this season. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. 
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. So there you have it. Agree or not, those are the teams that I think this season have a better chance of making their very first Coswell playoff appearance than Texas A&M. So I've said my piece on that, which means it is now time to transition into my interview with College Football Talk Daily. This is a pre-recorded interview. I recorded this about a week and a half ago, so the audio might sound a little bit different, but I think you guys will enjoy it. All right, guys. I am very excited to welcome in the mind behind CFB Talk Daily on Twitter, who is also part of the This Week in College Football podcast. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already. Chances are you probably already do, but if you don't, you need to be doing that. And that is at CFB Talk Daily on Twitter. So thanks for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. All right, man. Well, let's, let's go ahead and just get right into it, man. And look, I want to start here. I want to start with the national championship picture because I guess that's the ultimate goal here that everyone's shooting for. So like a lot of people who cover college football, I'm one of the guys, I'm guilty. I've done the obligatory break teams into tiers based on my expectations for them entering this 2022 season. At the top, I've got three teams at the top of my tiers that uh, I would just call, I guess, the can win the national championship tier. And in that tier, I've got Georgia, Alabama and Ohio State in this isolated season. That's it. That's all I've got personally in that tier this season. Now, I know when Clemson fans hear me say that right now, they want to reach the airwaves and choke me out. I don't blame them. If I was a Clemson fan, I'd want to do that too. So let's start with this. Make me a believer. Can you make the case for Clemson being a true national title threat in 2022? All right, well, if I was to sell you on Clemson, I'd have to start with the defense because they're probably one of the best defenses in the country already. So they have that working for them. Uh, they also have probably the, maybe the best coaching staff in all of college football or up there, their defensive line coach. I can't think of his name right now, but he's one of the best. And, of course, you have Dabo Sweeney. So they have elite minds behind the program. So they're never going to be a bad team, and they could always ship, overachieve. Yeah, Todd Bates, defensive line coach, you're exactly right. I mean, does he ever yeah, produce definitely. a subpar defensive line? Has that ever happened? What, what as far as I know, I would say no. Now, my, my only question here, like, everything you said makes sense. Defensively, mm-hmm. they're going to be one of the top two or three defenses in the country. I cannot argue that whatsoever. Do you have any concerns with the turnover at the coordinator position? Uh, I think the offensive coordinator, uh, Tony Elliott, leaving from Virginia, he was a great mind. Well, I feel like they stagnated a little bit under him. That's why uh, you know, maybe they weren't so good last year. The quarterback play wasn't great, but I also feel like the play calling wasn't helping that much. Yeah, that's fair, man. And Brandon Streeter, they, they hire from within. So Brandon Streeter comes in, knows the system, knows the offense, and also add his own little twist on things. So that's fair. What about Brent Venables? Do you see him moving on to take the head coaching job at Oklahoma? And he's been a rock for them for 
the better part of a decade. Do you have any concerns there with Wes Goodwin taking over? Uh, I feel like Venables, obviously, he's an elite coordinator. That's why he got a job like Oklahoma. But I feel like the defense that he brought into Clemson and coached up is good enough to where there won't be a massive fall off right away if there is even going to be one. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to argue that. You're right. I mean, when you have players as talented as Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy, Trenton Simpson, and the list goes on and on, it's kind of hard to mess that up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a guy that's been there in the system, knows these guys, knows the personnel, they trust him. It's hard to imagine that defense is not going to be an elite defense. So you make a good argument. You make a strong argument there. Let me ask you this. So I've got Georgia, Bama, and, Clem- and Ohio State with Clemson, like, right on the fringe. Like, they're close to being in that group for me. Is there anyone else that I left out that should be in that can win a national championship tier? Or is that really realistically all that can – the only teams that can really make that happen this year? All right. What, what teams did you have again? Just so I had Georgia, Alabama, Georgia. Ohio State, and then Clemson mm-hmm. I, I would think would be that next one. Like the first – like if you're taking like college basketball terminology, like first out, right? The first one okay. out. First, okay, gotcha. okay yeah. I think those four – like knocking on the door? Yeah, those four are definitely the favorites. I think, although I don't think it's going to happen, I think USC maybe has the skill positions to do it. I don't think they will. But I think, you know, Lincoln Riley and his offense takes defenses a while to get used to. So in year one, they could shock. But I think those four that you have are probably for sure the most likely to get it, right? Yeah, that, that's the way I see it. Look, I, and I'm not saying that there's – it's college football, man. Like, it, chaos is the rule, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. but – if you look at it from a talent perspective right now, like who has the not just like a few guys here and there, a few great skill players like you mentioned mm-hmm. USC, but who who are the teams that don't really have holes in the roster? Who have been recruiting at elite levels year in and year out without fail? And it's Georgia, it's Bama, it's Ohio State. Clemson is right there as well. Texas A&M is reaching that point, but they're still on the come up. I don't know if they quite built the roster out enough yet to consist. I know we know they beat Bama last year, but can they do it consistently? Beat enough teams of that caliber to get to the national championship. And we saw last year, you beat Bama, then you still turn around and you lose four games in the regular season. Yeah. So for me, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's those three teams I feel really confident in. And I would say Clemson's right there. It would not shock me if Clemson was in the college playoff with, and wins a game in, in the semifinals, gets to the national title game with a shot to win the whole thing. That wouldn't shock me. But right now I see Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and kind of everyone else there. Now, I yeah, want to see one other team. That, here. I think one yeah, other team. Right, maybe do it is uh Michigan they don't have the skill I don't think but they have probably the second easiest path maybe because if they beat Ohio State and run the table in the Big Ten they're probably I mean you have a great chance for being in the playoffs Michigan's a very intriguing team to me I'm glad you brought them up we're gonna get to them I I have a question later on about the Big Ten and can Michigan actually challenge Ohio State Michigan's Mm -hmm. a really intriguing team I think a lot of ways they're kind of like Georgia this year where you lose so much off of a dominant defense that really drove their success last year and you're going to have – it's not a rebuild process. Georgia and Michigan don't rebuild. You reload, but you're still losing a ton of experience. But yet you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think both Georgia and Michigan have some really, really high-powered weapons coming back on offense. And it might be a situation early in the season where both teams are kind of like uncharacteristically led by their offenses, which you wouldn't expect from those teams, while the younger defense and experienced defenses kind of come along. By the end of the year, you expect them to be there. And at that point, you know, get to the, end, to the last game of the season in the horseshoe – if Michigan's defense is is close to where they were last year, the offense is better than it was mm-hmm. last year. I mean, all bets are off. Who knows what could happen there? But yeah. I want to stick with the playoff team for one second here. So okay. we saw Cincinnati break through as the first G5 team to make a college football playoff appearance last year. Now, it didn't work out so well for them once they got there, but 
getting there was the first step. So you got to give him props there. Yep. Which non-Power 5, and I would also include Notre Dame. I know they're not Power 5, but like essentially. So which non-Power 5 or Notre Dame team do you see as the most viable option to crash the playoff party this season? Well, for me, uh, that's a tough one because I kind of want to say Cincinnati again because they still have a lot of talent outside. Sure, they lost uh, their quarterback to the NFL and they lost Sauce Gardner, but they brought in a really good recruiting class. The coaching is still there. So I think I'd have to go with them again. You know, that's it's it's again, it's hard to argue against that, right? I mean, Luke Fickle's done such a fantastic job, not just building out the roster from a recruiting standpoint, which you're exactly right. I mean, as far as the group of five team goes, I don't know if there's I mean, maybe UCF because they have the, all the Florida talent, but I don't know if there's a team that recruits as consistently well in the, in the group of five as Cincinnati. And Luke Fickle's just built that culture, you know, like that team kind of mirrors him and what he wants them to be and who he is as a coach. And uh, that's that's a scary thing when he has that built out and he sticks around for another year. So th- that's not a bad pick at all. The team I want to ask you about here real quick is another mm-hmm. AAC team. What about Houston? Do you see this as a team that could potentially challenge Cincinnati in the AAC and maybe be that team that could knock on the door of the college playoff? I think they could challenge Cincinnati for the, the conference. I don't think they make the playoffs, though. I think they'd end up – I don't think they're consistent enough. The thing with Cincinnati last year was they were so consistent. You know, they didn't really look like they were going to lose many games. And, you know, they were every week at their best almost. Yeah, you're right. And Cincinnati, the thing that that they had was that win at Notre Dame, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that win at Notre Dame came up huge for them. If they don't don't play Notre Dame on the road and beat Notre Dame, I don't know if they get in, even if they went undefeated. And that's kind of what I look at Houston's schedule this year. I agree with you. I think they could – I think Houston could potentially actually go undefeated. I think they could win the AAC. They don't play UCF or Cincinnati in the regular season. They would only play them in the conference title game. I just don't know if they have the strength of schedule. They open the season at UTSA, who was a 10-win team last year. Mm-hmm. They lose Sincere McCormick, but it's at UTSA. That's an interesting game. Then at Texas Tech versus Kansas. So you have two Power 5 teams, but, I mean, it's Texas Tech and Kansas. I don't know if that's enough cachet, even if you go undefeated, to get you in the national championship. I don't know. I don't know. No, you're exactly right. Because beating Notre Dame, you get, you know, the media's national respect. You know, even though I don't respect Notre Dame, there's a lot of, you know, old people who make way more <laughs> important decisions than me and you that respect Notre Dame. Okay, I can't let you get past that, all right? You don't – why don't you respect Notre Dame? Well, I, I, I said that I don't respect them. It's just, like, uh, I feel like they're overrated a lot just because of the name brand. There's a lot of schools that are like that. But I actually Fair. don't have any qualities with their – uh not being in a conference. I understand why. I just think every year they're overrated a, a bit like Florida State and Florida, just because of the name and like the past. They're always on the tip of everyone's tongue. Like they're, if they're even like remotely halfway decent, then they're going to get overhyped. It just always happens. So I, it's I exactly. That. I, I completely get that. Yeah. I completely get that, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's go on here. I want to stick for one more second. I'm going to stick with one of these like playoff caliber teams. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the defending national champions for just a minute here. The Georgia Bulldogs set an NFL record with 15 draft picks in this past year's NFL draft. Five of those guys went in the first round, all from one of the most dominant defenses that we've seen in some time at the college level. Eight defenders drafted overall off that defense. So obviously the dogs have a lot of key pieces to replace. I put Georgia in my top tier as one of the three teams I think can realistically win the national title this year. 
But mm-hmm. I'm curious what your take is on Georgia. Do you view this Georgia team as closer to Bama and Ohio State, who come into the season are like the, the consensus, you know, number one and two teams in the country, based off pretty much anyone you ask? Or are they closer to the Clemsons and Texas A&Ms of the world that are on the fringe of the national championship discussion this year? Yeah, I think they're closer to A&M and uh, the other, I forgot the other team you grouped in there, Clemson, Clemson. right? Yeah, Clemson. Uh, yeah, I think they're closer to that, to be honest. I think that last year they kind of um, – it was like a once in uh, – well, I don't want to say once in a lifetime because they're one of the top programs all the time. But, you know, it was like yeah. a perfect storm, kind of like Joe Burrow and LSU where they like – you know, they had the perfect team and things, everything just clicked for a year. And then you saw right. the next year, LSU didn't repeat. So I think they're kind of like that. You know, they had a historic season, but they're not going to repeat. Yes. Yeah, so when you lose that many defenders, it's certainly going to be tough. Do you think their offense would, I, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of varying opinions on Stetson Bennett at quarterback, but there's a really young Georgia offense last year for the most part. Stetson Bennett coming back as the undisputed starter. And I guess it would be his second year as a start. You get A.D. Mitchell back at wide receiver. Brock Bowers, who's a favorite for the Mackey Award. You have a, a, a couple veteran pieces on the offensive line. Two running backs that kind of waited their turn. Kendall Milton, one of the more highly rated re, uh, recruits coming out of the country from California a couple years back. Do you think the offense for Georgia this year can be good enough to pick up the slack for a defense that might not be as dominant as they were last year? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because if uh, if they yeah. do, then they're probably they'll probably repeat if the offense is that good. Although, uh, I don't it's, – it's tough to say because the, the talent is definitely there, right? You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the blue-chip ratio, but Georgia has one of the, the best rosters in the country according to that. So, on, on paper, yeah, they three, should right? – yeah, on paper, they should be good enough. But, you know, that's just not accounting for injuries and everything and, the, you know, the schedule they have to play. Uh, I, I think they'll probably make the SEC championship game again, but – right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I'd be in my top two. Say if I had to pick top two teams to win the uh, national title, I don't think Georgia would be in the top two. I think it'd be Alabama. Do you see as a clear favorite in the SEC this year? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And all right, so enough SEC talk. Let's move on to the Big Ten here for a minute. Ohio State <laughs> is the clear betting favorite to win the Big Ten at minus 250 at Caesars with Michigan a distant second at plus 750. So a big gap between <laughs> the favorite and really everyone else in the Big Ten this year, according to Caesars and most sports books out there. But mm-hmm. you you brought up Michigan a second ago as a team that could potentially, maybe if things fell into place, find themselves in the college playoff picture for the second year in a row. So in your mind, how serious of a threat is Michigan to defy the odds again, find a way to beat Ohio State in the horseshoe en route to their second consecutive Big Ten title? Well, I think they're serious. They didn't lose much compared to other teams. You know? uh, so last year they beat Ohio State. And I think, you know, maybe uh, people don't like Michigan. Right? People don't like Jim Harbaugh. But I think that they don't get the respect they deserve. Because last year they played a boring brand of football. And, you know, they ended up having a great year. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo are going to be tough to replace for them on the edges? Because that was a key part of their defensive dominance last year. Yeah, of course. Replacing those two guys are def- is definitely going to be hard. You know, you don't find those guys every day. They're not yeah. in every recruiting class. and for sure they did lose those two, but I feel like the rest of the team is still there. So, you know, they have guys who have been there before. They know what it takes to beat Ohio state now. And they're also over the mental hump of not being able to beat them. Exactly. I think, I honestly, I think that's huge. I think there's like a mental block there for a couple of years. And when they just, I mean, let's just call it what it was. They beat their ass last year. And when they did that and the way they did it, you have to feel like that was, I mean, that obviously lifted a weight off their shoulders and you have to imagine there's a different mindset 
going to that game this year. But look, I'm with you on Michigan, man. I think this is a sneaky, dangerous team, especially mm-hmm. offensively. Now, defensively, they're going to have to replace some key pieces. They don't recruit as well consistently like a Georgia or Alabama. They don't recruit. They recruit well, but not at that level. So it might be a little tougher for them to replace some of those key losses on defense. But that offense is loaded. I love Blake Cormett running back. I think Dominic yes. Edwards might be one of the breakout stars in the entire country this year running back. That dude is a former five-star guy. I mean, he's a guy that could literally line up and just play receiver, but he's also obviously a threat running the football. I think the key for Michigan is what do they get out of J.J. McCarthy, you know? Like yep. I, if J.J. McCarthy is ready to become that guy and at some point in the season he assumes the starting role, I think all bets are off in the Big Ten. Because if he is that guy, they have pieces around him. I mean, they got tons of weapons at receiver. Cornelius Johnson coming back. Eric All is one of the better tight ends in the country. I don't think it's near enough publicity. Uh, Robin Wilson. Uh, you've got uh, Bell coming back this year. For, he was out all last year. Yeah, right. So this Bell. is a team that, yeah, you got Bell coming. So the, there is a ton of weapons on this Michigan offense. So I'm with you, man. I don't think it's that far-fetched to say this Michigan team could actually push the clear favorite in the Big Ten, especially if J.J. McCarthy can can take that next step. I don't know if he will. We'll see. I don't know. But if that happens, I would say watch out. I'm with you there, man. Yeah, I agree. Right, I, I, I'm a big Ronnie Bell guy. I think he's one of the best playmakers in the Big Ten. So getting him back could do a lot for an offense that needs a little bit of a spark. You're exactly right. He was getting that kind of love coming into last year. People have forgotten about him. Like No one is talking about Ronnie Bell right now. But Ronnie Bell was one of the better receivers in the country coming into last year, certainly in the Big Ten. And then he goes out, was, am I, was it week one? One or just very early in the season. And they still yeah. found a way to win the Big Ten without him. Him coming back this year with all the other weapons that I mentioned, it, that Michigan offense has a chance to be really, really, really good. Now, I know there's a changeover coordinator. I know that's that's a little bit of, a, of an issue for them. But, I mean, the talent's there. The talent's there. And, and to me, I've always been a believer that talent is the most important component of winning football games. And they've got that, clearly. All right. But sure. next up, I want to take a look at a couple of teams that, let's just call it what it is. They had disappointing seasons a year ago. Two of these teams fired their coaches. I got Miami at 7-5, and five, fired their mm-hmm. coach. Texas at 5-7 and seven last year, did not fire their coach. It was year one of Steve Sarkeesian in Austin. And then USC, who you mentioned earlier, Four and eight last year, fired their coach, make the bat- the massive move, bringing in Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. But despite those disappointing finishes to 2021 for all three of those teams, mm-hmm. all three are getting potential conference title love this season. Caesars has Miami with the second best odds to win the ACC. They have Texas with the tied with Oklahoma as the best odds to win the Big 12, and USC tied with Utah with the best odds to win the Pac 12. So of those three teams, Miami. Texas and USC, which one of those three do you see as most likely to live up to those expectations and win their conference? Uh, I think, all right, so I'm going to say Texas, actually. I was going to say Miami, but I think Clemson's just too talented. I think Clemson will end up winning it one more year. But I think Miami does have it. They will win one under Cristobal. I think they'll win the conference at least once under him. But I think Texas is going to end up winning the Big 12. I think it's kind of a bit of a a perfect storm right now with – Venable's new coach at Oklahoma, and you know it seems they have all the momentum, right? I mean, recruiting, everything seems to, you know, they're back in. The, I don't want to say they're back because that's like a meme, but you know they're back in the media. Everyone's talking about them, and they have Xavier Worthy, Bajan Robinson, Quinn Ewers. Like you know, it could be a big year for Texas. Offensively, they're loaded, man. I mean, the offensive line is my concern. They're probably gonna. It's looking like they're gonna have to start at least two true freshmen on the offensive line, but the skill positions. 
They are loaded. I actually like that pick because if you look at the, I mean, honestly, it's a schedule thing, right? If you look at the Big mm-hmm. Twelve, is there a dominant team coming into the season as like the clear favorite? Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't want to say Miami because Miami, you know, there's Clemson still there. You know, there's right. you have to beat a top program to get it. USC, same thing. You know, Lincoln, you're gonna to have to go through Utah, who dismantled what everyone thought was a top ten team in Oregon last year, and then you know, Oregon's back this year with maybe a better head coach. So it's tough. Yeah, I, I agree. With you. I think Texas is the right pick. I think honestly, all three of these teams are going to have bounce back years. I think they're all going to have good years. But I think you're. I think Texas, just by virtue of the lack of a dominant team in the Big 12 this year. You mentioned Brent Venables coming over the changeover at Oklahoma. I mean, is Baylor the kind of program? With, I mean, they lost a lot of key pieces off last year's team. Are they the kind of program that's just going to reload at this point? I don't know. Man. I, need, I know David Rand is doing great things there, but I need to believe – I need to see that before I believe it, you know? I guess – and they made believers last year. I mean, I think they came in last year with the second-worst odds to win the Big 12 and found a way to win it, but I don't know, man. I don't know if that program is ready to go back-to-back this year. So I think you're right. I think the pathway for Texas is uh, a lot – more open it is for Miami and USC to win their conference. All right, let's flip this around, though. All right, so those are disappointing teams from last year. But yep. let's look at three different teams that had different experiences last year. Michigan State, Pitt, and Baylor all yep. had 11-plus win seasons last year. Really seemingly out of nowhere with Baylor and Pitt actually winning the Big 12 and ACC, respectively. Coming to this year, the expectations – aren't as high for those three teams. Baylor, according to Caesars, has the fourth best odds to win the Big 12. Pitt also has the fourth best odds to win the ACC. Michigan State all the way down at seventh best odds to win the Big 10. So of those three teams that all had surprisingly good seasons in 2021, which one do you think takes the biggest step back record-wise this season? All right, the big, so Pitt, Bauer, and Michigan State. Well, I think Michigan State is surging, so I, I think they're out of the question for me. I think they're going to have okay. a good year. I think I'm going to have to go off. I think I have to say Pitt. I think as much as I like Pat Narduzzi, I think, you know, they maybe hit a bit of a ceiling because, you know, they had Kenny Pickett, they had Jordan Addison, and now you lose both of them, and Addison you were expecting to have back maybe, and he goes to USC. So I think I'm going to say Pitt because of the talent they lose, and Kenny Pickett obviously, you know, elevated that whole team. I mean, Heisman finalist, man. T- I mean, it's, look, and I, I know you get the transfer in from USC, okay? I understand Keaton Slovis comes in, and he did some solid things. He had a down year last year, but has had a good, relatively good career at USC. But is he going to be Kenny Pickett level good this year? I, I don't know, man. It's kind of a stretch, yeah. right? Yeah, and they lost the offensive coordinator who, you know, Kenny Pickett yeah. under him for a year, Heisman finalist, and then he leaves to go to Nebraska. So now you're going to have a yeah. new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, you know, the, the other steel position guys have to learn a new system. So, yep, you have to go to Miami this year in division play. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I agree with you here. I honestly think all three of these teams do take a, at least a slight step back this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not as high on Michigan State as you sound to be. All right, sell me on Michigan State. Why do you think that they're still going to be a, a good, solid team this year? I see well, maybe I a seven that, win team. I think that Mel Tucker's the type of coach where a team's not going to fall off a cliff with Mel, Mel Tucker at the head. I think that teams with Mel Tucker, I think he's like a the type of coach where teams overachieve underneath of him. Like, you know, he elevates the talent. You know, they're not going to get too down. They're not going to take bad penalties. So I think, I think Mel Tucker's that kind of coach. So I think that Michigan State's not going to flatline under him. You know, they're not going to 
just drop off a cliff because of a few players. That's fair. I'm a big Mel Tucker guy. I think Mel Tucker will get Michigan State there. I think he's he he is the guy. Like he, I mean, them giving him that oh, yeah. money was was the. I know people say he didn't deserve it. Like it's not about that. It's a projection of the future. He's the guy that's going to get them where they want to go. I totally mm-hmm. believe in Mel Tucker. I just don't know if this year is the year. Losing Walker at running back. I mm-hmm. I know they bring in Jared Broussard from from Colorado, who had a who wasn't great last year. Dealt with some injuries, but had a good career prior to that at Colorado. Well, I think it was the, actually in 2020, the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, maybe the player of the, year of the entire conference. So mm-hmm. th- maybe they'll be fine at running back. Do you think Peyton Thorne is the kind of guy, even if they take a step back in the running game without Kenneth Walker, is Peyton Thorne the kind of guy, a quarterback, that can really take hold and, and lead this team? Uh, well, it, it depends what you mean by lead this team. Can you lead in like a seven or eight win season? Sure, but I don't, I don't think they're going to like overachieve that much. They're not going to be like a 10-win Michigan State. But okay. I think they'll be good enough to where Pitt will do worse than them. Okay, fair enough. So you see Michigan State like a seven or eight win team. Yeah, yeah. like whether they'll okay, have like, like, a good year, okay. like not a regression, but like it'll be like a building block year for Mel Tucker for the future. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I think Pitt's the right answer here. I think you're right. I see Michigan State probably about a seven five eight and four type team this year. All right, man. I appreciate you being here. I'll get you out of here on this one. I know this one. I'm kind of springing on you here. All right, but we are it. now officially under a month from kickoff. It's hard to believe. Feels damn good to say that. It so does. before you get out of here. Who are your four playoff teams? Uh-huh. What will the national title matchup be, and who wins the whole damn thing? All right. Well, uh, Ohio State is in there. Alabama. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm gonna throw in Texas as the four team because they win the Big Twelve. Because okay. if I don't say that, then I'll be contradicting what I said earlier. Well, Texas is back officially. Yeah. Well, if, if I don't say Texas now, then I'm contradicting what I said earlier about them there. winning the I like Big the Twelve. Um. And then I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, it's tough. It's a tough one here. Yeah, so I'm gonna say Clemson. I'm gonna put Clemson in there. I'm gonna put Clemson okay. in there. Clemson and I say the national right. title game is probably Ohio State, Alabama, and Alabama wins the national championship again. And that historically, you know, when they lose, they come back with a vengeance. You know, when they lose the national title game, they come back swinging, man. So yeah, it's hard to argue I, with that one. Are right, any um, last words here before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah just a, a little more on the Alabama thing. I think, you know, Nick Saban talked about the transfer portal. He said, you know, like, uh, I think it was last offseason. He said, if everyone wants to take transfers, like, in conference stuff, I can do it too. And this year, I think they took a record high number of transfers. I think it was up to 14 or something like that incoming for Alabama. And they were all, like, leading players for the teams he took them from. So I think, you know, they're going to like, shock people with the amount of players they have come in to contribute right away. I mean, when you talk about bringing back the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, you bring in the, the in the caliber of transfers they brought in. You bring in a guy like Jermaine Burton, Jameer Gibbs, bringing those guys to mesh with guys like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner on defense, Henry Toto. I mean, yep. this this roster is just loaded. It's loaded. So it's, I mean, look, it's college football. Anything can happen. And I think there are some teams that like Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State can certainly contend with them. But I mean, if you're picking Alabama to win the whole thing, I literally cannot make an argument against that. You know what I mean? It's one of those things like. If you pick Alabama, that sounds right. If you pick Ohio State, it's hard to argue with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it'll be a close game. So I think Ohio State has the second best on-paper roster in the country. I just think that the defense is is falling off a little bit for Ohio State. They need to get back to, you know, being a defensive force. Because the offense is there. They have that figured out. And I think they have the players defensively. Schematically, they were a disaster last year. And mm-hmm. I, I, the players clearly didn't buy him. They demoted their defense coordinator two, two games into the season after the Oregon game. 
And yep. the, you know, the players see that it's kind of like, okay, what the what's going on here? But you bring in Jim Knowles, who has a track record of building great defenses, really anywhere he's been. And I'll be honest, like he hasn't had this level of talent to work with in his career. So mm-hmm. we know what he can do from a schematic standpoint and development standpoint. And now he has the raw materials to work with. I'll be interested. I'm very curious to see how much he can improve the defense in year one. I ex- fully expect them to improve the defense. I think for Ohio State. The question of how much they can improve on defense will probably ultimately determine whether or not they actually win the national title. I, I agree. Yeah, I think it comes down to it. But all right, man, I really appreciate you joining me here today. Again, guys, if you didn't hear me at the, at the top there, in case you missed it, at CFB Talk Daily. If you aren't following on Twitter, make sure you're doing that now. If you're not, you're missing out. So jump on there, guys. And uh, again, man, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, no, thank you. I have a great rest of your night. All right, guys, there you go. College Football Talk Daily. Again, make sure you're following him on Twitter, on Instagram, on all social media accounts. I appreciate you guys being with me here today. We've got a couple of weeks left, guys. Just a couple of weeks until we have actual college football to discuss here on this show. So for the next two weeks, what we're going to be doing, I'm going to be giving you guys a list. Next week, I'll give you my list of teams that I like this season and I think are going to meet or exceed their expectations coming into the season. And then the following week, I'll give you my list of teams that I don't like, that I think will fall short of those preseason expectations. So we're getting close, guys. We're almost there. But thank you for being here. Have a fantastic rest of your week. I'm Tyler, and I'll see you guys next week.